of you are familiar with her, but there would be a few of you in this service who may not be. So I'm going to take a moment and just fill you in a little bit. Well, before we introduce her, we need to introduce the superhero in the house. Well, that's true. Nick Kane, stand up and give everybody a smile. This is a superhero right here. <laughs> and their ministry is amazing and very multifaceted. I mean, they have founded so many different organizations, Equip and Empower Ministries, Propel Women, which just really launch people into using their God-given purpose, walking in that. They've planted three Zoe churches in Europe. They are the founders of the A21 campaign, the global anti-human trafficking organization that is making a huge difference across the globe. Yeah. Christine has written many best-selling books, and she is one of the most sought-after speakers on the globe today. And we're just so honored that she's here. But I have to tell you that I have personally had the privilege of knowing this woman for about 25 years. And what I just so admire about her is that no matter what's going on around her, she is true and dedicated to Jesus. And she highly values the power of the Holy Spirit working in her life. And she is passionate about people, especially the lost and hurting. One other thing. She is passionate about the local church, and I love that. And we're just so glad she's here today. You are in for a treat. Stand to your feet. Give a huge bridge, church. Welcome to Christine Kay. How y'all doing, church? You can be seated. I, I love it. I'm going to take Pastor Anne on the road with me to introduce me everywhere. I'm like, y'all, after that introduction, I can't wait to hear myself speak. And um, you know who I'm in love with? I love your whole church. But Laura Drumchick. Like, drum her chick. Any church that has a drummer chick is a church worth coming to. That is all I'm saying. Like literally, if this is your first time in this church, don't freak out. It's okay. The real pastor will be here next week. Everything will be okay. At the moment, I'm just going a bit crazy. Oh, the whole worship team, you guys are awesome. Can we thank God for just a, a fantastic worship team? Nick and I feel like home away from home here. Who knew? Temecula was so awesome. That's all I'm saying. You know, I've been living in America for 13 years, and I've been up there in the Newport Beach part of the world, and I thought that was awesome. And then I came to Temecula. You all have wine country down here. Yeah, you do. I like this church. This is a heathen church. You like wine country. This is great. This is the the kind of church you can bring your friends to. That's for sure. And um, I, I really, really love this place, and I am married to the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on planet Earth. <laughs> and we've been married for 27 years. How is that? And we've got two, two daughters, and I'm really, you know, I'm Greek, so we believe in arranged marriages. And so um, if you're wealthy and over 21, <laughs> my daughter would kill me. You could tell she's not in the room. I'm like... I'm, I'm, I'm saying to her, honey, I, I had my kids older, so at 35 and 40, I had my second, so I'm going to be like 155 at their 21st. And so I'm like, you all need to get married and give me grandbabies before I die. So I'm on the hunt. For, I'm a Greek 
you're all dying that I'm saying this, aren't you? So my daughter will be dying even more. I'm a, a Greek mama that um, wants grandbabies. That's all I'm saying. And I'm saying Temecula's a nice place. Like, that's all. I love, I love everything about this church. Uh, you know, sometimes you can be in the midst of a miracle and not even realize it. And um, there is, I, I tell you as someone that for 35 years, you know, I, uh, Nick and I, people say, how many hotel nights do you do a year? And literally, we have offices in 19 cities in 15 countries around the world, and we do about 300 hotel nights a year. So when I say we travel, we travel, and have been doing it for decades. You want to be called to do this. You couldn't sustain it for three decades if um, you were trying to do it in the flesh. No one is fit or healthy enough. You need supernatural empowerment from a supernatural God to do what God has called you to do. So please don't want my life. You, you, you really don't want it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And so um, the, at the end of the day, though, we travel and get the opportunity across the breadth of the church worldwide to see um, what God is doing. And, you know, we've had a couple of days here in this house and just to see the spirit of the house, the health of the house, the leadership of the house, you ought to thank God that you're planted in such a great church under such great leaders because it is awesome, truly, truly awesome. And I love you pastors and, you know, Anne and I, Pastor Anne and I, we've known each other 25 years. So we sort of met when we were one years old and, um, and we've sustained our friendship for... Uh, Listen, if you can stick with anything for 25 minutes on the earth nowadays, you're doing pretty good. And so to see us both still serving Jesus, loving God, 25 years later, I think sometimes for a younger generation, you don't even realize what a gift it is to see pastors, and I know your pastors are just hitting 21, but at the end of the day, that to see pastors that for decades have been serving Jesus and are still saying, we've seen a lot but he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to continue to worship. He is worthy to continue to follow. Um, is, is, is a greater gift than you even realize. And so um, I'm loving it. How many think we should have revival in Temecula? It is. I was driving through Old Town and I thought, what an awesome place Temecula is. Like Old Town is for all the beer lovers and the wine countries, for all the wine lovers. And then for all the Christians, there's the Perrier sort of mineral water in the middle. You've got everything you want in this town. And so I think the fact that the Lord is bringing people everywhere. I'm just one of these people that like last night I'm watching, you know, the lines coming out of the highway and um, the streets into uh, all the vineyards and the oil ranch. Um, I'm thinking, wow, there's a reason. God doesn't do things by accident. Like you don't just bring um, traffic jams worth of people into a place if you didn't have a purpose for that place. The scripture tells us in the book of Acts that God chooses the the times and the places and literally the geography that he places us in to serve him in our generation. And while all the world's losing their mind, if I was you in Temecula, I'd be thinking God is putting the attention of the world on our little town for a reason. And I think it's not just great wine and great vineyards and great grapes and great olive trees that he's got here. You know, I I keep saying, because I've just written a Bible study on the olive tree, that 2023 is the year of the olive tree. The fact that you are in such a fruitful place and that looking at this church over the last couple of days that God is certainly not finished with his people in this part of the world your greatest days are ahead of you and not behind you and you are fruitful and um, and can be a source of fruit and light and oil and life and hope 
to the rest of the church. You know, don't think small is what I'm trying to say. Um, think big. Don't limit yourself. And I don't really know why I'm saying this other than don't limit yourself. I think God has got great plans um, for you here. If this is your first time here and you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Um, I'm going to jump in. I'm Greek. Anybody Greek? I met a Greek woman yesterday. I don't know if she's in this congregation. No. Do you not have Greek people in Temecula? Y'all... You have like olive oil. What are you going on about? Do not tell me it's Spanish or Italian or American. It's Greek. Greek. Give me a word, any word. Every word has its source in Greek. Anyone seen my big fat Greek wedding? That is my big fat Greek life. I did not speak English until I was five. And my home in Australia has got like Parthenon columns um, all out the front. And we've got cement everywhere. Most of you won't even know what this means. But Greeks, we, we, we um, have cement instead of grass. It's just like uh, I was in Greece in summer in 2022. And Nia Vardalos, who's the, you know, she stars in and is the director of My Big Fat Greek Wedding 1 and 2, she was filming My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 on one of the Greek islands. And I was literally internet stalking her. I was writing to her. I was DMing. I mean, I was surprised that they didn't send people to come and shut me down. I was desperately trying to be an extra in the film, but they didn't. She didn't. Anyway, so why am I telling you all of that? Uh, Because my parents are exactly like, the, were exactly like the couple you would have seen on my Big Fat Greek wedding. So we would go out swimming in Australia and there was this beach um, called Umina Beach, which was just north of where we lived in our state in New South Wales. And this beach, like literally, I need you to understand, I'm not exaggerating, I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching now, I'm telling the truth. So it's like, it's like the exact truth that people would die at Umina Beach because the rip the undertow, the undercurrent was so strong at Umina Beach. And I don't know what it says about my parents that they would take their three children up to this beach regularly, but anyway. And so we would be up there and my dad would always, I'll never forget, he put this big, bright Greek beach umbrella on one side of the sand and all these beach towels on the other side of the sand. And he would say to us kids, and I have my older brother, George, my younger brother, Andrew, and I'm right there in the middle, and he would say, kids, when you go out to swim, I want you to regularly check that you are swimming between the beach umbrella and the beach towels. You need to check that you stay between these two markers because you're not going to realize it. You're going to be out there. You're going to be swimming. You're going to be enjoying yourself. You guys are going to be playing. But underneath the surface, whether you feel it or not, the currents are going crazy. And the currents are so strong, the rip is so strong that it will just pull you out to sea without you even realizing it. So check your markers regularly. Look up regularly and make sure you are between that beach umbrella and you are between those beach towels. And then my dad would always say, kids, you might not think that anything is happening because you're having so much fun. But if you don't check the markers, you're going to drift because all you have to do to drift is nothing. And when he said, all you have to do to drift is nothing, it would hit us that the only way you're going to get out to sea and you're going to get caught up in this riptide 
It's not really by the things that you do, because all you have to do is nothing, and you are just going to drift. It's what you stop doing. If you stop checking your markers, if you stop checking that you're between the beach umbrella and the beach towels, then invariably you are going to drift no matter what is happening. And I realized in every aspect of life, truly, all you have to do to drift is nothing. All you have to do for your marriage to drift is nothing. You don't have to go and have an affair. Just do nothing. And you'll drift apart. Anything you have to do for your, for your kids to drift away from you is do nothing. You don't have to do anything intentionally bad to them. Just ignore them and do nothing. And it'll drift. All you have to do for your fitness to drift is nothing. Just nothing, man. Just stay in bed. Nothing. And, and, and your fitness will drift. You don't have to do anything bad. If you're a chick, all you have to do for your eyebrows to drift is nothing. Just nothing. <laughs> woke you up in Sunday morning, didn't it? Just nothing. And in life, for any of us to drift in any area, financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, all we have to do to drift is nothing. Drifting is the default mechanisms of humanity. We automatically drift. The only way we won't drift is if we are constantly checking our markers. The interesting thing is, in the scripture, in the book of Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews was a, a pastor, they think. He was writing to a group of Christians who were under a lot of persecution. These Christians were, were Jewish people that had converted from Judaism to, follow, to become followers of Jesus. And when they converted, there was nothing cool about being a Christian. It cost them everything. There was no cultural currency associated with being a Christian. They lost their status. Many of them lost jobs. They lost family. They lost friends. There was no benefit to being a Christian. And at this time, many were being persecuted. They were running to catacombs. Others were being literally killed for being Jesus followers. And so many were going, you know what? This is just too hard. The cultural climate, it's just too hard. The pressure to be a Jesus follower in this Roman Empire, it's just too hard. I think I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to where I came from. And so the writer to the Hebrews writes this whole letter. And I'd say in the last three or four years, I don't think there would be a book of the Bible that I have spent more time in than the book of Hebrews, because I think this could have been written to us today at a time when so many things have shifted in our society, politically, economically, socially, morally, financially, environmentally. And not only have they shifted, they continue to shift every second. You wake up every day, it's like we've got whiplash on the earth. It's like, whoa, I thought we thought that. No, we're thinking that. No, we're thinking we're all like in a spiritual neck brace because the world has gone cray-cray. Has anyone noticed that? Except for Temecula, the rest of the planet has lost its mind. Literally lost its mind. And in that cultural climate, the writer to the Hebrews was saying, and he started right there in Hebrews chapter 1, talking about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, talking about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He was reminding them, he's saying, right now you're caught up in all of the cultural currents that are happening, but I need to remind you why you became a Jesus follower in the first place, because he is the best, he is supreme, he is all sufficient. And he started to remind them, I mean, if you go through the whole text, he says, what are you going to go back to? 
Are you going to go back to the law? Well, Jesus is better than the law. Are you going to go back to the prophets? Jesus is better than the prophets. What do you mean about you think the angels are awesome? Jesus is greater than all of the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater. The reason we worship him is because he is all sufficient. He is all supreme. He is reminding them the reason we got into this was for Jesus. The reason we stay with it is for Jesus. And where we are headed is towards Jesus. He's reminding them, stop getting caught up in everything else. It's all about Jesus. And so then we get to our text because it starts in chapter 2. And he goes on in chapter 2 and it says, for this reason. So why I gave you that introduction is I wanted you to know why he was saying for this reason. Because there's nothing more frustrating on a Sunday when you come in and you, the preacher's, preacher starts with for this reason. You're like, for what reason? And then you don't hear anything else in my whole sermon because you're like, what reason? But if you read your Bible more than you just listen to it for five seconds on a Sunday morning, it's amazing how much more you would know. It says, for this reason. Some of you, I'm about to catch you up on your Bible reading plan for the year right now. You're like, whoa, this is awesome. I just caught up on the last four weeks. Okay, for this reason, we must pay attention all the more. Everyone say all the more. I love that. So American. All the more. All the more. All the more. Everyone say all the more, mate. You all sound like an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie church. That's fantastic. Oi, 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 that's it. This is a very refined church. You know, when the queen was alive, this is how she wishes she spoke English. There you go. So I'm just letting you know. That's what happened when you sent us out to the colonies. For if you all threw the tea overboard, don't pretend you like the crown. You were in Boston, you went bail the tea. We're not having any English breakfast tea. You're gone. See you later. Um, but those of us, we still drink the queen's tea. Can't get used to King Charles, I'm sorry. It's still Queen Elizabeth forever. For, you can tell this is my last service because I'm getting in the car and going and it's like, um, peace out. This is what you can't get anywhere else. Church is family and church is fun and this is absolutely awesome. I'm so sorry. You know, some of you, you don't know that God can be fun. You think like to be a Christian, you've got to look like you've been sucking lemons. Some of you need to take a spiritual <laughs> laxative. Chill out. It's okay. God is really secure in his godness. He doesn't need us looking like we're depressed. It's, it's all right to be happy in church. If you never see me again, you can tell I'm not even looking at your pastors. I'm too scared. I may never be invited back. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received as a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Neglect. All you have to do to drift is nothing. Just neglect. Neglect your health. Neglect your fitness. Neglect your spiritual life. Neglect your marriage. Neglect your family. Neglect your job. All you have to do to drift is just nothing. Nothing. This, this salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders and various and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. So the writer to the Hebrews is saying, this is a time because of the greatness of Jesus Christ that we need to pay all the more attention to what is going on in our life, lest we also drift. The currents are shifting. Things in America are shifting, but they're shifting all over the world. Nick and I went to 21 countries last year. Now, of course, 19 of the, uh, 15 of those are because we've got offices for A21 there, but I had the opportunity to serve the church in all of those countries. So whether I was in Pakistan, whether I was in Qatar, whether I was in Cambodia or Thailand, or whether I was in South America, let me just tell you, 
What we're feeling here, the shaking is happening all over the earth because God said that whatever will be sh- can be shaken will be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken shall remain. And just in case you're wondering what cannot be shaken, it's the church of Jesus Christ. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the negativity that go, the church is dying. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot or shall not or will not prevail against the church of the living God. So you don't need to lose any sleep about will the church survive. Empires have risen and empires have fallen, but the church of Jesus Christ has prevailed on the earth. The church will continue to grow, but it's just some things needed to be shaken because they weren't part of it. And we're all here in 2023 and we're going, whoa, what have we been going through really in this country particularly for the last seven years, the last three years in a cray-cray way? It's like everything's been shaken, every sector of society, morally, politically, emotionally, socially, relationally, financially. I mean, every sector has been shaken. And you're like, what is going on, God? And it's in the context of the cultural climate shifting. The undercurrents of society have shifted. There is no going back. You need to know. Some of the stuff that we're like, man, we need to go back there. That ship sailed. It sailed. So there's an undertow and the currents are shifting. When those currents are shifting, the writer to the Hebrew says, listen, now is a time not just to pay attention, but we've got to pay much more attention. And in the Greek, the wording for that is perisoteros prosochim. That's what it would be in the scripture. And the fact is that my mom, when we were growing up, you know, if we were in a dangerous situation, my mom would like yell, Christina. And when she would say that, you would know. It's not like when she just like Christina prosochi. That would be just Chris, be careful. But if it was perisoteros, and there would be an emphasis on that word prosochi, you would know it would like your blood would curl in your veins. Because you knew something was up, and you better be really serious, and you better not just pay attention, you better pay extra attention. And I'd say if you're asking me, what is the Holy Spirit saying? To the church, as we start in 2023, church capital C, this is not just a time for us to be paying attention, church. This is a time for us to be paying much more attention. Much more attention. Why? Lest we also drift. Now, he's writing to followers of Jesus. And he's saying, you you better be careful. You better pay attention. You better not neglect certain things or your default system is you will drift. As we've looked at the last few years and gone, what is happening? And then you look at some people and go, have you lost your ever-loving mind? And where have you gone? And what is going on? What is going on is that they stop paying much closer attention. And the inevitability is that you will drift in every area of life. Now, there are signs of drifting. And there, are, there ought to be times where you and I have very regular spiritual checkups in our life. You know, we love to go boating, and, and Nick particularly loves it. I love to sunbake on a boat. That's what I think the purpose of a boat is. And so, you know, I remember once, like we did, we went out at Newport, and we're in the anchorage, and Nick's like, Chris, you know, will you throw the anchor out? And um, I was so ticked off because I was just getting into a good flow of sunbaking. And so it was like disruptive to me to have to like go and get the, the anchor and throw it out. 
And so, you know, a little while after that, we like hit another boat in the anchorage and Nick was not happy. And so he looks like a nice Christian there in the front row, but I need you to know. (laughs) And so, uh, if you only knew how true that was. Anyway, so (laughs) in the midst of all of that, Nick's like, Chris, you know, what happened? And he said, I thought I told you to throw the anchor out. And I said, you did. And then he said, did you check that the anchor actually made contact with the seabed and that we were actually anchored? And I went, mind a detail. You didn't tell me that. You just said, throw it out. <laughs> and some of us, while the currents have been shifting, kind of just threw our anchor out and just hoped somewhere it would be connected. <laughs> and the winds change and things shifted in the last few years. And we're like, uh, how did I get out here? I'm I'm out to sea, and we weren't actually anchored, and that's what's been revealed. You know, there are chains, there are like, uh, there's a chain that connects the anchor to the boat, and he'll often look at it and go, oh man, this link in the chain, it's rusty, we need to replace it, or this link is about to break, we need to replace it, and this would be a time that most of us ought to take a spiritual inventory and check the links in our chain connecting us to our anchor, who is Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, Jesus is this anchor, this hope we have as an anchor for our soul. And so why the only way we are going to stay in faith and in hope during this time on the planet when things are going cray-cray is we better be connected to the anchor and we better make sure that we are anchored. Now, when we're anchored, we don't need to fear. We sung those songs of faith this morning, not even by faith, but they're actually the truth of how we can be very stable and still believe God for miracles and still believe God for signs and still believe God for wonders and still believe that we can step into the purpose and the promise and the provision of God, no matter what wind is happening, no matter what storms are happening in our lives, we can be anchored because our anchor is even more secure than any anchor that goes down into a seabed. Our anchor goes behind an eternal veil and is locked into all of eternity. So it can keep us secure here in time. And all the promises of God are still in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. No matter the fact that the world has gone crazy, that the winds are blowing, the currents are shifting, all the promises of God are still in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. But if we're not walking in the fullness of it, maybe we need to check the links that are connecting us to the anchor. Because maybe we've started to drift because we're not connected strongly to the anchor. If your hope was in anything but Jesus, well, that's been shaken in the last few years. In any realm of life, And a lot of us that have felt disappointed or discouraged or disillusioned, a lot of that is because God has allowed us to see where we had misplaced hope. We had misplaced our hope. So this is actually a gift to us because God's saying, it's almost like he's a divine chiropractor. I'm just going to get you back into alignment. Put your hope back in the only place that's going to see the promise of God fulfilled in your life, and that's in the person of Jesus. Oh, I thought it was that person. They betrayed me. I thought it was that job. Man, I lost that. I thought it was that investment. Well, that went belly up. I thought it was going to be in that dream. Well, that never happened. And God said, I've never told you that your future is in those things. Your future and your hope is in me, and I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I have not gone anywhere. And so if God said it, it's still going to come to pass you've just had a divine chiropractic alignment. 
to get you back into alignment. And I'm telling you, when you get into that flow with the Holy Spirit of God, the things that were once hard are not hard anymore. It just, you're just flowing with God. And what we need to do as the, sh- as the winds are shifting and the currents are changing, we need to get into a divine flow. Because trying to rationalize it and work it out naturally is not going to be an answer. So you stay in alignment with the wind of the Spirit. And then you're like, whew, I don't know. There's a lot going on on the earth. I'm not denying it. I'm not in any way downplaying it. But I'm, 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 I'm marching to a different drumbeat. I'm being led by the Spirit of God. And so the purpose of God is still coming to pass. The promise of God is still coming to pass. And I'm going to fulfill and lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me because I am not going to be shaken loose. There's a lot of things that are being shaken, but I'm not going to be shaken loose because I'm connected to the anchor and I am anchored and I am not going to drift. People might be going off to the right or off to the left. People might be going sideways and backwards, but I am fixing my eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And so I am staying aligned with Jesus Christ and he will take me to my purpose and he will take me to my promise and I will see his provision in my circumstance. This stuff's not rocket science. You've just got to check your markers. What's happened to some of us is we've been checking against the wrong markers. And when you're checking against the markers of this culture and the world and your friends and sister Gertrude from down the street instead of the word of God, Honestly, some of you need to get off Facebook and get your face in the book. Seriously, you really do. And you would be surprised. (laughs) I'm getting in my car soon. (laughs) You will be surprised how much more peace you would have in your life if you allowed God's word, God's word to bring hope and peace into your life. You're getting yourself so stressed out because the first thing you're doing every morning is turning on that phone. And the last thing you're doing every night is turning on that phone. And you are filling yourself with fear and anxiety and gossip and slander. And you are filling yourself with negativity and doubt. You're no different to the children of Israel who stood before Goliath. And the scripture says that Goliath came out every morning and every night for 40 days straight, every morning, and told them, you're a loser. This is the Christine edited version. You're not going to find it in the original, but it's very similar. It's very close. It's very close. But he's basically saying, you know, you guys are losers. God had already promised them you're going to win. God had promised them that he would be with them. But they listened to Goliath every morning and every night. The Bible says for 40 days, every morning he would come out and say, I'm going to defeat you. You're a loser. You're hopeless. 40 days and 40 nights. And then the scripture says eventually they did not even need to hear what he said anymore. They just saw him and they feared. Well, so many Christians running away in fear. We're not even hearing anymore because we've been listening to negativity and fear and doubt. And we, we give the devil all the room in the world. We say, in the morning, please tell me how hopeless I am. Please tell me how useless I am. Please tell me that I can't prevail. Please tell me how I need to blame everyone for everything. Please tell me that God's got no power to change my life. And just in case I've forgotten it by the end of the day, I better look at it again and scroll through social media and go down rabbit trails and listen to every conspiracy theory. Remind me again 
on, how hopeless I am, how useless I am, how there's no hope and no future. And that's what I'll sleep on. First thing in the morning, I'll do it again. And eventually you cower in fear and you don't go forward in faith because you've allowed Goliath to cripple and paralyze you. We need a spirit of David that says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Oh no, my God said that I'm going to take you out and I'm going to be able to take. But if you don't know what's in the Bible, how are you going to contend with the enemy? How are you going to be able to recognize lies from truth? And that would be the issue on the earth at the moment, wouldn't it? (laughs) Fake news to true news. So you've got to be into the eternal word of God. And if you're not in that, I'm telling you, you're going to drift. You're going to drift. Because the currents of the world are crazy. Yeah, Chris, how am I my thinking? How, how do I know if I've drifted? I mean, there's, I could give you 50 things this morning. The pastor hasn't given me that much time and you've got lunch, so it's okay. Don't freak out. But it could be a, a great choice. You, you know you're drifting. You know you're drifting when you care more about getting a blue check mark on social media than having God give you a heart checkup and navigating how your heart is. We, we're living in a generation, young people, where you just think, man, if I could just get verified, if I could just get that blue check mark, I'm a somebody. It gives me all the significance and all the security. I'm somebody. I've got this blue. I mean, how sad that we have sold a lie to a generation that you got this little blue check mark makes you something. You, you know, it really doesn't matter whether you're verified by Elon Musk or, or, or you're, you're verified by Instagram. Listen, 2,000 years ago, God validated you when he gave his son to die on a cross for you. In Calvary. He said, that's how much you're worth. That's how much you're worth. That's how much I love you. You don't need a certain amount of followers or you don't need to put on a certain public profile. I know all the most innermost secrets of your heart and the grossest sin that you've done and I still love you so much that I'm going to give my son to die on a cross for you. And yet, man, what we will do for the approval of man is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And we'll drift, and this is not just a teenage problem in middle school. As I've watched adults in the last few years, I'll tell you the one thing, social media is a great revealer of people's hearts. I'm like, people go to bed at night calling themselves Jesus followers, and I'm thinking, do you not think that God reads your Facebook profile? (laughs) Do you not think God looks at the troll account you set up and what you're saying about other people? Do you think God doesn't know the gossip and the slander that goes on? Do you not think you're going to give an account for that stuff? Very quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm going to move over here. This is the real Christians over here. But listen, we've drifted when we think that's okay. We've drifted when we think curating our public profiles is more important than cultivating personal intimacy with Jesus. And then we wonder why there's no power. And then we wonder why people aren't being healed and delivered and saved and restored because there's no power, I promise you. An Instagram filter did not save, deliver, or heal anybody. But Holy Ghost power from the inside is what brings change and transformation in this world. And if you and I 
are not exhibiting that Holy Spirit power. Listen, you need Holy Spirit power to walk in love in the 21st century, to produce the fruit of the Spirit, goodness, kindness, self-control in a very out-of-control world. Love, peace, joy. Do you know one of the greatest evangelistic tools in the 21st century is walk around with some peace two days in a row. People will be like, what are you smoking? People are like, what are you on? Because you have the peace of God that surpasses what? All understanding. But you know what I've seen the last few years? Christians losing their minds. I'm like, wow, are you filled with the Spirit? Because I'm not seeing any fruit of the Spirit come out of your life. You can shunda hunda Kawasaki and cast out a demon, but if you've got no self-control, don't tell me you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Seriously. We could see the world changed. Some of you are laughing over there because you can't believe I said that. Like I said, I'm in a car soon. But here is the deal, guys. We've drifted. When we let the moral relativism of society dictate our moral lives, not the word of God, we've drifted. When our thinking is on alignment with the world's thinking and not the word, we've drifted. When we think we are more compassionate than Jesus, we've drifted. When we think we have a greater capacity to love than Jesus, we've drifted. And you don't have to do much to drift. Just listen to every other voice but God's voice. And you'll drift. Just neglect or try to dilute or try to dismiss the word of God. And you'll drift. Our world is so out of control because it's not anchored to anything. The biggest statement of our world, and you're wondering why all the currents are going crazy and everyone's drifted, is because the biggest, most popular statement in our generation is like, you do you boo. (laughs) How's that working for the planet? When you try to anchor truth in which boo today? (laughs) Whose boo? Do I anchor my truth in? And we're wondering why we've got whiplash. I'm running around the world trying to say, please don't do you boo. Please don't do you boo. Could we try doing Jesus boo? That would be really helpful. Could we try doing Jesus? You know, in the book of Judges, there's a statement. It says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And you just need to have a look historically how that worked out. If you're wondering what's the trajectory of our current cultural moment. I'm like, oh, it's not a new thing. It's a repetitive pattern throughout history. Just go and look at history. Not biblical history, just history. And you go, this has never gone well. But you and I, we don't need to drift in the midst of it. Nor be arrogant in the midst of it. Nor be pharisaical in the midst of it. We could be totally full of love and grace, peace, hope, joy, kindness, goodness, self-control. We could be such light and salt in this cultural moment, but we won't be able to if we're not anchored to the Word of God, to the truth of God, to the Spirit of God. We have to be anchored throwing in your anchor once a week and going, oh, I'm just 40 minutes of a service. That's awesome. It's not going to hold you. Because is there strong winds? I live in Orange County. I don't know how it is down here, but we have the Santa Ana winds that are cray-cray. 
I'm always praying when our plane lands that I'm not coming in during the Santa Ana winds because then, listen, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as that plane comes in because you're freaking, you're hoping there's a God. The winds are strong. The current, the undertow of our society, oh, it's strong. And if you're a parent, it's freaky in this moment to think, Lord, what is going on with our children? What is going on with the future? But you stay anchored in the word of God, in the house of God, amongst the people of God. All I'm saying to you is that you will not drift. Why people are drifting is they haven't been anchored. And what has happened is we haven't been checking the right markers, the markers of God's word. This from Genesis to Revelation has held people when we check our markers, not when we check someone's latest opinion, someone's latest theory, someone's latest bit of gossip or slander. Honestly, some of you, the greatest thing you can do to stop drifting is say, I'm going to spend an hour less on social media or on any media and an hour more in the word of God. And I guarantee you by this time next week, you will have more peace. You will sleep better at night. You will have a greater sense of hope. Check the right markers. Check the right markers. Listen, we were called to thrive in these times. I know I'm smiling because I'm weird. Because this is the kind of Christianity I signed up for. That kind of blood gag me with a spoon, cultural Christianity, that is just like revolting. It makes me throw up. But this kind of Christianity, which is like, I am all in for King Jesus, where we are going to see the church of Jesus Christ grow and go forward and the kingdom of God expand and people find salvation and hope and healing and life and liberty and be set free from where they've been bound and chained and shackled. You know what? That's the kind of Christianity that I'm all about. Not a Christianity that's a against anything but a Christianity that is for Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God and for the hope of God and for the light of Christ and for the life of Christ in a lost and a broken world. So let's pay much more attention in this hour, lest we also drift. And it's interesting to me, I mean, we could go down a rabbit trail and neglect so great a salvation. The saddest thing about being distracted, getting caught up in a whole lot of other stuff is that you neglect this great salvation. I guess for me, it's just never gotten old. I was the kid that was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted when I was born. I was, grew up in the poorest zip code in my state, the third poorest zip code in all of Australia. And, um, government housing where you kind of put immigrants. And in a culture that demeaned women, uh, I think that would be a nice way of saying it, definitely, and was sexually abused for 12 years at the hands of four men. My, my immediate family was great, but my parents allowed people to come into my home that, that were certainly not trustworthy. And then two weeks before my 33rd birthday, my brother, George, who was 35 at the time, he got a phone call from, um, he, he called me actually, I was having lunch and he called me and he was crying. And he said, Chris, I, I just got a letter from the government and this particular government department in Australia, it's called the Department of Community Services. He said, I just got a letter from docs and this letter says that I've been adopted. And when he told me that, I first, I started laughing because you know when you grow up, 
you're always telling your siblings that you're not related and that they're adopted and that you're not from the same mother. You know, anyway, that's what we did. And so, but when they call you and tell you that they've been adopted, you start to freak out. And suddenly I got really defensive. And I went, you have not been adopted. They sent this letter to the wrong person. You need to tell. Um, you know, you need, you need to call them back and then call me back and tell them they've sent the letter to the wrong person. Well, anyway, he calls me back about 15 minutes later. And this time he is sobbing. And he said, Chris, it's true. They tell me the name of my biological mother, my biological father. They tell me when I was born. They, they have a whole file on my life. And um, I freaked out. I mean, there's this 35-year-old family secret. And he goes, Chris, I'm going to go and confront mum. My dad had died when I was 19. My mum at the time was 61. And um, I don't know if you know anything about Greek families, but Greeks are very volatile. They act first and think later. So I'm thinking this could go south really quick and my brother could do something really out of control. So I jump in the car, I go to mum's house and I walk into my living room at the moment that my brother is giving my mother this document from the government. And my mum took the piece of paper, I walked in just as she was taking it and I saw her whole face change. And I'm like freaking out. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is true. And uh, my mum starts crying and she said, George, I'm so sorry. All of the adoptions in Australia, you know, 35 years ago, they're all closed adoptions. They were all closed adoptions. And we never thought that you would find out. And so my mum said, before your dad died, one of the last things I did was I promised him I would never tell you that you'd been adopted. And so I tore up all of the paperwork, I threw it away, and I never thought you would find out. So church, you could imagine, um, this was a moment. You know, I'm watching this play out like I'm watching a Jerry Springer show. It's like, is this for real? And you know, my mum's crying, my brother's crying, the dog's crying, you know, snot's flying. I mean, it's my big fat Greek moment, it's happening. And I'm thinking, you know, what do I do? And like a good Greek daughter, I, food is the answer to life, the universe and everything. So I go to the kitchen and think I'll make some baklava, I'll do something, you know, we'll do, I'll make some food. I'm making food and a little while later my mother walks in behind me and in Greek she says to me, Christina, since we're telling the truth today, do you want to know the whole truth? And um, I really don't know why I said this at first. I turned around and I, I faced her and I went, I've been adopted too. And my mum just started bawling and just nodding her head, yes. And church, I was stunned. I'm two weeks out from my 33rd birthday and I just find out that I'm adopted. And like, I didn't say anything. Um, I didn't say anything for a few minutes, which like in and of itself is a miracle greater than the resurrection of Jesus. So there's that. But I didn't say anything. Well, the very first thing, the very first thing that came out of my mouth when I finally spoke, I went, I looked at my mum, I went, am I still Greek? And I thought, I was called a lot of names at school for decades, so I wanted to know there was a reason for all of that persecution. So anyway, I needed to go, am I still Greek? And then the very next thing that came out of my mouth, right there in my Greek Orthodox mother's kitchen, I went, oh, well, mum, before I was formed in my mother's womb, whosever womb that was, he knew me. I'm literally saying this in the kitchen. He knew me. He knitted together my innermost parts. He fashioned all of my days before as yet there was one of them. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And church, that day, every fact that I thought to be true about my life changed. Every fact. There's almost nothing more destabilizing than finding out you're not who you thought you were. 
every fact change. And to, that, to, to, to this moment, to this morning, I still don't know the facts surrounding my conception. I don't know if I was the result of a one night stand or an ongoing adulterous affair. I, I don't know if I was the result of a rape. But although I do not know the facts, there is a force on the planet much higher than the facts, and it's called the truth of the Word of God. And God's Word does not say that I am the workmanship of a rape or an adulterous affair. It says that I am His workmanship, and that I've been recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. The currents changed. The winds came. Things shifted, but because I was anchored in the Word of God, in the Son of God, in the truth of God. That word and that truth superseded the facts each and every time. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free in Jesus name. You do not need to drift, but you better be anchored in the right thing. And in a world that is vying for your attention and trying to distract you, trying to pull you left and right, stay anchored in the truth, the winds will come 100%. The waves will come, storms will come 100%. But you won't go under. And you will fulfill your purpose. And you shall see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And you shall see the promise of God. And you shall see the purpose of God. And you shall see the provision of God. Because he who promised is faithful in Jesus' name. He is faithful. Friend, I wonder if you know this God that I'm talking about today. Not do you know about him, but do you know him? And if you don't right here, right now, I just want to give you the opportunity to address the spiritual condition of your heart, the opportunity to put Jesus Christ first in your life, either for the very first time or perhaps you've been away from God, cold in your heart, backslidden even. This morning, friend, I want to invite you to stop running from him, to come home to him, to make your peace with him, to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Maybe a friend invited you here today and you didn't even know what you were coming to. They lied. They said, let's go to a wine bar. And you're like, what is this? A Jerry Springer show? No, you are here in the divine timing and plan and purpose of God. You were created by God for a relationship with God. It's Jesus that connects us to God. And it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. Others of you, as I've been talking this morning, you're thinking, man, I feel like, Chris, I've been drifting and I'd love to be back, but man, you don't know what I've been saying these last few years, weeks, months, posting, done. And you're right, I don't know what you've been saying or posting or doing or thinking or, but can I just tell you, don't listen to the enemy. I think there are so many people that God's calling home in this hour and the devil's lying to you saying, man, you've blown it too bad. You knew better and you didn't do better. But can I tell you, our relationship with Jesus was never based on how good I can or can't do anything. It was based on what he did. And you do not have the power to outdrift the grace or the love or the mercy or the forgiveness or the goodness or the kindness of God. You really don't. So don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Jesus is standing there saying, come on, it's time to come home. Have a fresh start and step into your God-given future and your God-given destiny. And we as the people of God are going to need to cut some slack with each other in this hour. 
because it's time for a lot of people to come home, to come home. I just want every head bowed and every eye closed from the front to the back, from the left to the right, from wherever you are in this moment. I'm not talking to the person next to you, I'm talking to you. And if you say to me in this moment, Chris, I need what you're talking about today. I just need a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the very first time or you've been away from God, cold in your heart. This morning, you're saying, I want to come home to Jesus. I need a fresh start with Jesus. I want to pray for you just right where you're sitting, right there. And if you want me to include you in that prayer today, then just so that I know who I'm praying for, would you just raise your hand and say, Chris, would you include me in that prayer? I want a fresh start with Jesus today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There are so many of you. Keep those hands going up. I'm seeing you literally all over every single section of this room. This is beautiful. Keep your hands up high. Keep them up high. I can see people all over the building. It's just time to come home, time to come home. Keep your hand up and I'm gonna pray and the whole room is gonna pray this prayer out loud after me. Those of you with your hands raised, Jesus sees You're praying this to him. The rest of us believers, we are adding our faith to their faith and reaffirming our own commitment to Jesus as we pray with people to say yes to Jesus today. So church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand today because I recognize my need for you. I'm sorry that I've been living my life my own way and ignoring you. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. And I ask today, that you would forgive me for all of my sins, that you would give me a brand new start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? That is the absolute best decision that you could ever make with your life. We want to say welcome to the family. And here's the thing, greatest decision you've ever made with your life, but this is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning of the journey. And here at the Bridge Church, we don't think that anybody should walk alone. There's no lone wolves in the family of God. We are a family, we're a pack, we're a tribe. And so what we want to do... We really want to just help you take the next step of your faith journey. We want to give you a tool, a free gift called The Next Seven Days. It's a booklet written by our pastor that is just going to help you in taking the next steps of your faith. I, I know when I first got saved, I felt like I had a thousand questions and I had nobody to ask these questions to. So this is designed to help answer some of those questions, to help you kickstart your relationship with Jesus. So you can get it in a couple ways. Number one, right at the end of service, there's going to be prayer teams right down here at the front. They're there ready and willing to pray with any and everybody. But if you've given your life to Jesus, you want to grab the booklet, go up to them. They'll pray with you. But if you just want to grab the book and go, you can just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Can I get the next seven days? If you're in a really big rush and you're going to try to go catch the football games, there is a, a table right in the foyer. Before you get to the glass doors, there'll be a screen that says the next seven days right there. Stop at the the counter. Let them know, hey, I prayed the prayer. Can I get the booklet? We don't need anything from you. We just want to help you in walking out the next steps of your faith journey. Hey, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family right now? So awesome. So awesome. Hey, this is the moment um, in service where we get to worship God with our 
giving. And hey, if you're a guest with us, please be our guest. We, there's no pressure or compulsion to give here. Uh, Bridge Youth is in the house. We like welcome our guests at Bridge Youth. Clear your throat, Bridge Youth. <clears throat> we like welcoming our guests by saying, we're here to build you up, not... We love you, we back you, and, and we never give out of pressure and compulsion. If you're our guest, be our guest. But for those of us who we call this home, I just want to pause and say thank you. Thank you so much for being a generous church. I know not everybody got to see what happened in this room yesterday, but there was over a thousand women in here. And, and I, got to, I got to come in the room and spectate and see what God was doing, how the Holy Spirit was moving, and ladies were getting saved, amazing things were happening. But because my wife, Amber, and I uh, were the next-gen pastors, not only did we get to be in this room, we got to be in the rooms over there with the kids where we weren't just offering free babysitting as we, right now, there's kids over there. And we're not just offering free babysitting, but there's kids over there getting saved, developing relationship with Jesus Christ, being poured into, discipled, being taught how to worship, all of that. As, as next-gen pastors, we get to oversee youth ministries as well. Bridge Youth, you crazy, crazy bunch of people. Love you so much. Every week for seven years that Amber and I have been here, every single week without failure, we see young people coming and giving their life to Jesus. Why do I tell you this at the time of offering? Because we know this. The ministry happens because of a faithful God and faithful people like you. Thank you for being a church that believes in young people, helping invest in the lives of young people. Our giving, it will, it will last for generations and generations to come. So thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving, your generosity. Hey, there's a few ways you could give. Some of those are on the screen right behind me. If you have a physical gift you want to give in person, there's some envelopes in the chair backs right there. You could drop it in a couple places. One, before you get to the foyer, either side of the foyer doors, uh, the auditorium doors, there's giving stations. You can drop them right there to the right as you exit near the kids check-in there's a drop station right there as well hey would you guys do me a favor not just for today before yesterday throughout this weekend would you just help me in thanking christine for these amazing messages so awesome christine on behalf of all of bridge youth i want to say thank you for all your messages that i've stolen and i've preached to them it's been an amazing, amazing weekend. Hey, um, yesterday, Christine brought a bunch of resources. She's, she's written a bunch of great books and stuff. She brought them with her yesterday. They sold out completely. So um, we don't have any of the resources here on site, but here's what we do have. We have a QR code that's gonna go up right behind me. If you wanna go grab one of her awesome books, some of her resources, go check them out. There's a QR code right there. For everybody over 40, uh, a QR code, just open your camera roll, open your camera, point it at that, there'll be a little tab, press that. If you're like, I don't know what this is, Look, sounds like witchcraft to me, okay? <laughs> just go over to the info center right outside to the right, they can help uh, navigate you with that QR code to check out some of her resources. One more time, thank you so much for investing in us, Christine. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church, not just today, but all weekend, amazing weekend in church. We love you guys so much. We will see you very, very soon. See you next week.